Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, January 11th, 2021. Everyone loves the story of an underdog, whether that's in the arena of sports or even just in other areas in this world. People love the story of the team that's not supposed to win but finds a way to, or the person who's not supposed to succeed but defies the odds and does anyway. Well, if you like a good underdog story, don't go looking for a movie to watch or uh, you know some story or book to read. Go read the book of Acts. Uh, w- w- this is one of the greatest underdog stories of all time because you start with this ragtag group of disciples and their friends. You start at the beginning of the book with 120 people hiding in a room and, and By chapter 17, even, the world has been turned upside down. Here you have this small group of followers of this Messiah who people are claiming has risen from the dead, but how did they become a force that shapes the future of the history of the world? Well, that's what we see in the book of Acts. And I want us to think about that. If you're getting concerned about the odds being stacked more and more against Christians or against the church in the day and age in which we live, we need to ask the question, how can the church thrive even in a hostile environment? And really, God has given us a playbook for that in his word, and especially in the book of Acts. And today we look at Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Acts chapter 4, 1 through 12. And if you remember in chapter 3, Peter and John, they heal a lame man, and then they preach a sermon, again, pointing to the risen Christ in the rest of the chapter, and it generates this incredible response. But the authorities, they don't love this. In fact, in verse 2 of chapter 4, it says they are greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So what did they do? They arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But even in spite of all that, you have thousands of people uh, believing. But anyways, the next day they haul these uh, religious leaders, they, they haul in Peter and John before the council, and they, they ask them, by what power or by what name did you do this? And, and then Peter is very clear. He's saying, you, you know how we did this? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And in verse 10, he says, he calls Jesus this person whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. And by him, this man is standing before you well. And he goes on again, boldly speaking in verses 11 and 12, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The first play in this playbook for how the underdog can win, how the church can survive and flourish, even in the face of threats and intimidation, is this. We must boldly proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And there's something exclusive 
about this name, that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no hero, there is no leader, there's no sports figure, there's no political figure, there's no one else to put our hope in besides Jesus Christ. He is the name above every name. He is the name that Christians must be set on making sure is known in this world. And so whatever pressures the world may bring upon the church, that needs to be the the most foundational step right there, is that Christians will never back down from proclaiming the name of Jesus and even proclaiming that Jesus is the only way and that our sins are responsible for his death, but he is alive and he offers forgiveness to all who would repent of their sin and put their faith in Christ. So that is that is number one. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. But we also see really how it, the church and God's people should thrive even in the face of hostility as we look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 12. And this is an amazing passage of scripture. This is what we refer to often as the Beatitudes. It's the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So Really, we've seen Jesus in Matthew be born. We've seen uh, the ministry of John the Baptist. We've seen Jesus now be tempted and just now begin his public ministry. But now this is his teaching being recorded. This is the longest sermon that we have of of Christ really in the scripture, stretching across these uh, three chapters of Matthew 5 through seven. And he starts with all these statements known as the Beatitudes, where, where there's a kind of a, a formula where it's blessed are fill in the blank, They're starting with blessed are the poor in spirit, and then some kind of promise for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And a couple things we need to note about this stretch. Um, one, you, you see that, that there's a change. Uh, a professor I used to have would always uh, quote the old song, the times they are a changing, right? Is we, we think about this thing, Jesus saying, hey, whatever's going on right now, things are going to change. And that is something that Christians should know. Christians should know the times are going to change. This life is not what it's all about. Uh, there's a kingdom that is coming. There's a future that is going to make everything right. And so first, as Christians, we need to be dominated by that kind of perspective. We're not dominated by the here and now. We're looking ahead to the future. Uh, Another thing that we notice about this list is a lot of things on this list really describe humility, especially look at the first three. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? Blessed are those who realize that they, that they... They're experiencing poverty, not in a financial sense, but in a spiritual sense. Blessed are the people who know that without Christ, I've got nothing, nothing. That should be the mindset of, of a Christian. And then it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's interesting to me, especially now as we look out at the world, and it's so easy to be frustrated by the world. I think that's where we need to think it's it's real easy and anybody can look out at the world and get angry at how things are going. You, you don't need to be a Christian to be angry at how things are going in the world. Just just log on to social media if you dare and, and just see people are angry 
People are angry about what's going on in the world. But it does, I think, really take a Christian to truly mourn, to mourn, to grieve. And one thing we see, even as we, uh, as we have examples of godly men grieving um, throughout the scriptures, one of the reasons they're mourning is because they know they're not innocent. They know they are part of the problem. And so instead of just getting angry about the bad things going on in the world, there's a, there's a mourning, there's a grief, a humble grief about what's going on. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, not necessarily just the mighty, but those who have strength that is under control, those that are gentle. And, and so we see these ideas of, of humility uh, kind of coming through the, these beatitudes. We also see blessed are the merciful, blessed are the, the peacemakers, that we need to kind of have this balance as Christians where, yes, we will be bold. We will be bold proclaiming the name of Jesus. We will be bold proclaiming that Jesus is the only way. But there's also a humility that, that comes from, really, I think, the idea that it's Jesus that's the only way. It's not about me. I haven't figured it out. I'm not going to heaven because I'm so good. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. I've got nothing. We, we want to be poor in spirit. We want to be those who mourn, those who are meek, not coming at others with a holier-than-thou attitude, coming to others with a, with a gracious attitude, a merciful attitude saying, hey, there would be no hope for me, but now I have hope because of Jesus, and you need this hope as well. Uh, another thing we see as we look through the Beatitudes is, again, kind of a focus on our own spiritual growth. Right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That in the midst of this, we're not just looking out at the world or, or anything else. We're, we're in our own hearts. God, I want to be righteous. God, I want to be pure from the inside out. And it's because of all of these things that we can then say, blessed are those who are persecuted. For righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And there again is that idea that the times they are changing and those who are persecuted now, well, that's all going to change someday when they're not going to be persecuted. Theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. So we can even rejoice and be glad when, when we experience persecution now for our reward in heaven is great for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so I hope we're starting to see kind of this playbook of how a church, even in a hostile culture, can succeed when it's boldly proclaiming the name of Christ, yet is also humble, is also just personally hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And uh, when the church has its eyes set on the future, not the here and now. We also get a sense even just of this, this personal uh, responsibility and this longing that Christians should have to be pure before the Lord as we turn to Psalm 7. Psalm 7. And here, David, it seems like, feels like an underdog. He says in verse 1, O Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me, lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. He's feeling like his back is against the wall. But look where he goes to next in his prayer. In verses 3 through 5 of Psalm 7, he says, O Lord my God, if I have done this, 
If there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it, and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. That's interesting, where David feels pursued and threatened, and one thing he prays is, God, if I've actually done something wrong, let my enemy overtake me. And I think that's that should be our cry. We should want to be pure in heart. We should hunger and thirst after righteousness so that when we encounter trials, we want to say, God, I want to make sure I'm clean. I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And that's another good lesson for us as we think through the Beatitudes, but also kind of see some of that in action here in Psalm 7. Finally, today we read Genesis 24. Genesis 24. And this is an amazing story of just God's providence as Abraham sends his servant kind of back to his old country to find a wife for his son, Isaac. And we see the servant of Abraham even praying and seeking God's direction. And we see God providing. And I think this is just should be an encouraging story to us of the providence of God. And maybe there's some situations in your life that you need to make sure you are lifting up to God in prayer today. But as we think through all these different things, and maybe you think through feeling like an underdog in the world that we're living as a Christian, trying to be faithful to Christ in a hostile culture, let's remember some of the things that we've read today. And even I would specifically encourage you to spend some time there in Matthew chapter 5, looking at those Beatitudes. And even now, as we wrap up this podcast, pick two or three of those Beatitudes to really spend some time praying to God about and really to spend some time praying, God, help me to see more of these attitudes reflected in my own life. And let's follow this playbook, no matter what the odds, knowing that this is the way, this is the path that leads to victory in the name of Jesus. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.